This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 148. How to respond to conflict. A springbok is a gazelle-like antelope. Normally, they're very alert to predators. However, I remember watching a BBC wildlife programme that filmed two springboks fighting each other in the Kalahari Desert. As they became absorbed in the fight, they did not notice the lion prowling around them, waiting for his opportunity to attack. As I watched, it struck me as a warning, especially for the church. When in the church we fight one another, we become very vulnerable to attack. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When God calls you to follow him, he does not call you to a life of ease. Life on earth involves many battles, in all of which God promises you victory through Jesus Christ. There's never going to be a moment in your earthly life when everything is perfect. There are always going to be challenges, difficulties and problems to solve. However, there are times when these intensify and we seem to be coming under attack. Martin Luther King said that the ultimate measure of a person is not where they stand in moments of convenience, but where they stand in moments of challenge, moments of great crisis and controversy. From Proverbs 13 Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. Avoid unnecessarily quarrelling. The writer of Proverbs contrasts the wise. Wisdom is found in those who take advice, and fools, fools detest turning from evil. It is not surprising that we experience conflict. In particular, in this passage, we see two examples. First, quarrels. Pride only breeds quarrels. One of the most draining experiences of life is quarrelling, whether in a marriage among friends, with colleagues, or in the church. Here we see that one of the causes of quarrels can be pride. If you're willing to admit your mistakes and wrongs with humility, you can avoid a lot of quarrels. Another key is listening carefully to one another. Arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord, but wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. Second, disappointments. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, or as the message puts it, Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick. This is another kind of attack that is sickening. When a vision we've had for something is held up or our plans are delayed because of some attack or letdown, disappointment makes the heart sick. We do battle with our own plans and our circumstances. On the other hand, there is nothing more satisfying than persevering and seeing some part of your vision fulfilled. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. In the midst of all the conflicts of life, there are moments of great joy, fulfillment and satisfaction. Lord, in the midst of the challenges, help me to run the race with perseverance, with my eyes fixed on Jesus. New Testament from John 18 So, Judas came to the garden, 
guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who'd advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? she asked Peter. He replied, I'm not. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I've said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him, bound, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Trust that God will bring good out of evil. Sometimes, when conflict comes in our lives, we only have ourselves to blame. However, this is not necessarily always the case. The attacks on Jesus did not come about as a result of his own sin or failure. Rather, they were the result of wrongdoing by other people. Yet God used it for good. Having prayed for unity, Jesus now enters the world of conflict. alone and vulnerable, filled with love and kindness, Jesus is arrested and condemned to death. He lays down his life in order to give life. First, betrayal. This was a terrible moment in the life of Jesus. His friend and disciple Judas, with whom he'd spent three years, led a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees to arrest Jesus. There is nothing more painful than when an attack comes from a friend or colleague. Jesus' dignified response is exemplary. He stayed calm, refused violence, and exercised extraordinary self-restraint. In order to protect his disciples, Jesus confronts the group of powerful, armed men 
brought by Judas. He restrains Peter's attempt to resort to violence to defend Jesus. He does not want to engage in conflict using the ways of the world. Second, ill treatment. The very authorities that should have been protecting the innocent joined in the attack on Jesus. They arrested Jesus. They bound him. They took him first to Annas and then to Caiaphas, standing before the high priest, still bound. Jesus is struck in the face. If Jesus was treated in this way, we should not be surprised if from time to time we come under attack from those in authority, whether religious or secular. Third, denial. Peter's denial did not come from an evil heart, but simply from human weakness. When asked whether he was one of Jesus' disciples, he replied, I am not. I totally understand how Peter could have got himself into a position of denying Jesus in spite of all his best intentions. I have sometimes said or done things that in hindsight were sheer cowardice. The reality is that Jesus is in full control of the situation. He knew all that was going to happen to him. He acted to fulfill his own prayer in the previous chapter. Jesus went to his death to drink the cup the Father had given him, paying the penalty for our sin and wrongdoing. He paid the penalty for us. It would be good if one person died for the people. Jesus' death is on behalf of Peter and each one of us. He faces the attack of death and judgment so that you do not have to. Jesus allows himself to be bound so that you can be unbound and set free. Father, give me courage and wisdom to know how to respond with dignity and grace when I come under attack. Help me to trust that in everything you work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Old Testament from 1 Samuel 21 to 23 Then the king ordered the guards at his side, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. King's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him. But God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him to find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You shall be king over Israel. And I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Strengthen one another. This was a period of intense conflict for David. Jealousy, as we see here with Saul, never seems to ease off once it gets a grip of a person. It drove Saul to more and more cold-blooded evil acts. He thought nothing of destroying a a town full of priests. David had to resort to every ruse in order to avoid the attacks. He ate the holy bread of the presence. He pretended to go crazy. He gathered an assorted crew of losers and vagrants and misfits of all sorts. Yet 
we see in this passage the qualities of David that emerged even when he was under attack. First, loyalty. David had a reputation for loyalty and was highly respected. David and Jonathan were utterly loyal to each other. Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him to find strength in God. Considering that he could have seen himself as heir to the throne, Jonathan's attitude to David was extraordinary. You shall be king over Israel and I'll be second to you. They were utterly committed to each other. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. There's nothing that helps more in times of conflict than the loyalty of our friends and family. They can help you in difficult times. And when they are under attack, you can help them by your loyalty and support to find strength in God. Second prayer. What is your first port of call when conflict comes in your life? As Joyce Meyer puts it, when trouble comes, do you run to the phone or do you run to the throne? David had learned at this stage of his life the vital importance of inquiring of the Lord before making decisions. When he was under attack again and again, David went in prayer to God. In this way, attacks can actually draw you closer to God. One of the tragedies of this story is that instead of fighting the real enemy, God's people, like the two springboks, were fighting one another. This gave the Philistines the opportunity to attack. Still today, the church is in danger of doing this. God can take something Satan means for evil and division and turn it into something good. God used the attack by the Philistines to rescue David. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. It would be wonderful if the church would break off its infighting and in unity face the real enemies that threaten to destroy our world. There's just climate change, injustice, disease and poverty. Father, help us to be loyal to one another, to stop the infighting in the church and to unite to face the real attacks from outside. Pepper adds, Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. Disappointment really can make you ill. If you let it, it festers. It will eat away at you. I'm not sure what the answer is, except to take it to God and to try and let go and trust in the sovereignty of God. It's not always easy.